is What's Going On. My name is Paige. And I'm Emily. And we're both squirrels sitting outside of the Swan residence watching some sad e-boy breaking and entering for no good reason. And you're listening to Tuesdays Offer Twilight. Wow. Really flipping the switch there. Yeah, how'd that feel, Paige? I feel like a new woman. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. It was kind of it was kind of fun to like sit back and and watch you welcome them to the show. How does it feel to be the new page? Something I've always dreamed of being. First of all, you're like way funnier than me. <laughs> so I'm like, yes, finally I'm the funnier one of the pair. I um as the new Emily, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to kick some soccer balls and I'm going to feel what it feels like to be good at being a sports person. <laughs> I was waiting for you to drag me through the mud. Like, I'm going to check my budget app or something. <laughs> I downloaded the budget app you told me about and I have never once opened it. I downloaded it because I was like, I'm going to do it. But then I never did. Not for everybody, you know. I don't want to hold myself accountable. That's fine. No one's forcing you to. Everyone's forcing you to. The people who, I don't know, run the credit scores would really love me to. My thing with credit scores is like, this shit is made up. It's literally made up. Yeah, when a giant solar flare takes out all of electricity and the entirety of the internet is no longer a thing, you know, my thousands of dollars of debt isn't going to matter. You know what is going to matter? If I can make a knife out of some sticks and hunt for myself. I can't do that either, but you know what? At least I know. You know what I'm a little confused about in that scenario? (laughs) Wouldn't a giant solar flare that wiped out the internet also wipe out human life? You know, that's a that's a fair point. <laughs> Scientists, let us know. Also, I got some intel back. We asked friend of the pod, Camille, about um, the whole Edward asking Bella for more, um, or Edward asking on Bella's behalf for more medication at the hospital. And I heard through a middleman, a.k.a. friend of the pod, Remy, that Camille answered our question. She just forgot to tell us the answer. Um, they can, but all nurses would probably be really fucking annoyed by it. I love that. I, I, Edward just sounds like the kind of person, no matter where he goes to, whoever is working in that particular area would be annoyed with him. Yes, agreed. Like, you talk shit about him in the walk-in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I just wanted to put this out here for listeners. Um, I know that you guys aren't like this, but just know, if there's if you ever see someone being a dick at any place where the workers probably make minimum wage, just know that those workers then make fun of that person later. So you can be a dick all you want, but just know you're the butt of our joke once you're gone. For years afterwards, didn't you just send me a Snapchat? Tell tell all the the listeners about that. Basically, so the company that I work for is a Mexican food company, and we have <laughs> said it on air. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it's Chipotle, <laughs> and we have this iced tea that like people are obsessed with, and I'm like, it's literally just tea and ice. It is nothing special. But there's this one guy who is straight up obsessed with it. Like, if we don't have the tea, he doesn't even buy food. I'm like, I don't know why 
you're even coming. Like, this is literally a Mexican restaurant. Um, basically, he's known as the tea sniffer because he we saw him one time pour some of the tea into a cup and then like swirl it around under his nose smelling it like it's a fine wine and I'm just like bro it is straight ass fast food tea like it is nothing special the other day he complained that he wanted a refund because it was too watered down and I'm like it's literally tea it's water with like (laughs) tea leaf flavor in it and we put ice in it and then the ice melts because you came in at seven o'clock at night and like, it's just been sitting there. And I don't know, whenever he comes in, it's like, Oh, tea sniffers here. And that, like I said, that happened years ago and he's still known by that name. So just know that your legacy continues on when you're a piece of shit to minimum wage workers. That is so insane that he was smelling it like wine. Did you give him a refund the other day? I don't know. I wasn't my job. Thank God. I just heard of it. Ugh. Yuck. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if I have any good ones. I mean, one time <laughs> I worked at our local zoo, which I think I've mentioned before, in the various restaurants of which there are five. There's like a fucking four-star restaurant in this zoo, okay? It's like, it's so fucking ridiculous and pretentious for no reason. People have weddings at this zoo, okay? <laughs> Too much walking. (laughs) Agreed. Anyways, um, so one time I was cleaning the fucking bathroom in the main restaurant, which was called The Grill. Actually, it was called The Grizzly Grill, if you want to get real specific. (laughs) And I took my phone out of my pocket, my fucking shitty-ass old navy black pant pocket or whatever the fuck, and I also put this bracelet that I always wore that commemorated this classmate of Paige and I's that literally died. Um, It was like a commemorative bracelet for him. And I put these two things, which by the way, my phone was a Blackberry. Okay. And this was like in 2013. So by then Blackberries were dead. Okay. I was way behind because my family always just gave me the free phone that came with our plan. I don't want to talk about it. I didn't get an iPhone till college. Anyways. This fucking Blackberry and my bracelet. I put them on the bathroom counter because, first of all, we're supposed to be closed. Second of all, I had to clean the toilet. So I don't want my phone or my bracelet near that stuff. You know, I had to lean over the toilet and get in there. Someone came in and fucking stole my phone and bracelet from the bathroom counter. Okay. And also it's a Blackberry. You're going to make $10 off of that tops. (laughs) So... Anyways, my manager ended up texting my phone and being like, we know you stole it. There is a tracing device in this phone. We are calling the police unless you turn it in within the next 10 minutes to guest services. We will know. (laughs) He was being so intense. And he was like, if you turn it in, no questions asked. And then like five minutes later, guest services called us on the radio and they're like, hey, someone just turned in a phone. But anyways, point being, the fuck? Why, why do people treat service industry employees so fucking shitty? Also, it should be a requirement in this country like the fucking draft to have to work at least like three months in a service industry job. 
I just, there's a certain flavor of person that you can tell they've never had to cry in a walk-in. They've never had to deal with a grown-ass woman asking what a Clementine is, which is a true story. I just, we can tell. And you just have a, a different respect for people when you've lived the life of being treated like you're a nobody. I can I couldn't have said it better myself. Also, if the woman who I called out about not knowing what a Clementine is, is an active listener, I'm sorry for roasting you, but you literally had a child. How do you not know what a Clementine is? It's a major yikes. Not to change the subject, but real smooth segue here. Speaking of labor, I did want to do a little quick shout out. My sister is actually starting an Etsy store and she's going to make little um, like hand painted wooden signs. And she also makes really cool crafts out of wine bottles. She like does something cool with them and then she like seals them and then she paints them. She's got like Christmas one. She got a Frankenstein one. She has a lot of cool ones. So she just wants to do this thing for herself, you know? So I, I told her I'd give her a little promo to my 30 fucking listeners. <laughs> she was like, okay. And I, I didn't mean to call you guys fucking listeners. I think you're awesome. <laughs> but the store is going to be called Words and Wood CO. Okay. It's going to be on Etsy. Look it up. Is it up right now or it will be up? It's up. She, you know, like she soft launched it. So she hasn't like started promoting it, but it's up. It's ready. Does she do custom paintings or like um, for like the signs and stuff or just set things? I want to, I would love one that's just says something ridiculous, like, and like fancy cursive or something like hail Satan or something like that. (laughs) She'd probably do it. I don't think she would care. (laughs) You know, just something fun for the kids. You know, when your parents come around. Did you see Malcolm just like fucking vault off that kitty castle behind me? He's very talented. (laughs) Guess what he's doing right now. Sorry, listeners, if you can hear this movement. He just sat on top of me. <laughs> I do it with my computer to show Paige. He loves her? Is that what you said? Yeah, he loves her. He does. He's obsessed with her. Yeah. Also, I was telling friend of the pod Remy this, but I'm pretty sure Mila is literally Cleopatra reincarnated because she acts like such a fucking princess. Do you think that Mila and Tina would get along? No. <laughs> I think it's just too expensive. Two loud personalities coming together would be explosive. That's what I was just going to say. There'd be too much personality in one room. It's like, this town ain't big enough for the two of us. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, I just talked about this the other day, but a couple years ago, I went on a date with a stand-up comedian. And, um, I mean, like, not like a famous one or anything. He just did stand, he does stand up where I live. And, um, I mean, it was completely fine. Like, there wasn't a, I'm, anything bad about him. But we both never, like, reached out for a second date. And I I have come to the conclusion, I was like, I didn't reach out because my main thing is that I'm funny. Like, that's what I bring to a relationship or a friendship. Like, I'm the funny one. So I can't be competing with my significant other for that role. Because he was really funny. I really enjoyed talking with him. And I kind of got the feeling from him that he was thinking the same thing, like, she has the one thing that I'm good at, too, so I don't know if we'll be good together. <laughs> That's hilarious. Too much funny in one relationship. 
Yeah. I mean, I have to be the center of attention and I have to always be the one telling the best stories. So I can't have someone coming after that role. You know, that's me. Totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> this week we read Midnight Sun chapters four through five. Hang on. Sorry. I got to shift my computer a little bit. Okay. Um, so they were called Visions. And what the fuck was the second one called? Invitations. What did you think of these two chapters, Paige? Visions, very interesting. I, seeing this side of the Cullens that I didn't even know was going to happen. This was a a completely new scene. I really had no, uh, I didn't, I had no foresight in it. Like it just, it was kind of unexpected. So that was super interesting to read. Um, invitations I wanted to die (laughs) why I just Edward is so so how do I want to phrase this blinded by his own intentions that he can't see what a psychopath he's being I just I didn't like it. I'm like, you cannot justify breaking and entering by, I'm keeping her safe. You're literally breaking and entering. Isn't that a felony? It's a felony, and also, it's creepy. (laughs) Agreed. Let's get into it, because we got a lot to cover, and a lot to cover, and not a lot of time to do it in, because Spotify limits the episode sizes. (laughs) If you ever feel like we're rushing, it's because I'm like, fuck, you guys. (laughs) Um, also, if you ever hear an episode that just ends mid-sentence, <laughs> that's what happened. Mm-hmm. That will never happen. We won't do that to you. Okay, so chapter four. Um, we left off with the accident just happening and Edward being a dick to Bella and then just walking away. So chapter four begins with him going back to school. And <laughs> I just wanted to say that um, Edward makes like an offhanded comment about how only Tyler and Bella and a few others who were probably using the accident as a chance to ditch remained absent. I was like, mood, God, that'd be hilarious. Yep. <laughs> you called your mom like, mom, there was a car accident at school. I have to go home. <laughs> that was like one time uh, the volleyball team in our high school went to state or something and they, the state competition was in Denver and they gave us like, if we were going to go support the team, it had to be verified by like our parents or something, but we were allowed to skip that day. And I pretended to be sick and I just stayed home because I was like, if everyone else is getting the day off, I want the day off too. So I just told my mom I threw up and she called the school. <laughs> so dead this is the difference between me and you Paige because I literally went to that volleyball game (laughs) I I was like I'm not interested in sport but I am interested in a day off (laughs) I wasn't either but back then I was so like I mean I am interested in sports I was not interested in that volleyball game but back then I was so like the rules the rules and by back then I mean literally now (laughs) I wish I was that free I think I'm just lazy. I don't. <laughs> we both want what we can't have. <laughs> Actually, you don't want what you can't have. You have it. You... <laughs> I, you know, I live life on the edge. What can I say? <laughs> so dead that you told Brenda that you threw up. <laughs> and she didn't, like, verify or anything. I flushed the toilet. I mean, I made, like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh my god, that's hilarious. Okay, also the line where Edward is, um, he's just saying that it's hard for him to not go find Bella again and see how she's doing, and he says, like a stalker, an obsessed stalker, an obsessed vampire stalker. I'm like, yeah, keep going. You're on the right track. (laughs) It sounds like a Hot Topic (laughs) t-shirt. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. (sighs) So, um... This whole thing is kind of just an inner monologue from Edward because he's thinking about how he should behave, but he's not going to do it. Um, He says that what he should have done is like misled his teachers and everyone who asked to believe that Bella like really hit her head and was like seeing things and hallucinating, but he doesn't want to talk badly about her behind her back. So he just is like fucking rude as hell. When people ask him about it, he's like, "Mm, I wouldn't know. Even though he literally was in the accident, which is like, Almost worse, in my opinion, but whatever. Yeah, it's like you're you're saving Bella's face, but you're in the process making yourself look worse. Yeah, yeah. Like, you could have just been like, I don't know. Like, I didn't see them, you know. I just saw them briefly at the hospital, and then I came back to school. I don't know what's going on, you know. Yeah, there was, you know, Edward is king at being a dick for no good reason. You got that right. Mm-hmm. Um... So then he gets to Spanish, which is the class that he has with Emmett, and they kind of have this conversation that's not a conversation because Emmett is just thinking his thoughts to Edward, and then Edward's just kind of responding through body language. So Emmett says, I hope you have a good explanation for what happened today. Rose is on the warpath. And to himself, Edward's like, oh, I could use the excuse that if Bella had been hit by the truck or the car, man. (laughs) Why did I struggle so much with that? Um, Her blood would have been everywhere and I wouldn't have been able to resist drinking it in front of everyone. But he refuses to use that. I'm like, I would have used it. (laughs) Shit, I would have used whatever I had. But he's like, uh, he refuses to use it because he just thought about it after the fact. So it doesn't count, basically. And then Emmett shares that Jasper is basically plotting to kill Bella. Did you get that when you first read it? Yeah. I'm not when I first read it, but as more context clues are given, like by the time that they're at the Collins house about to have the meeting, I was kind of I was pretty much aware of what was going on. Yeah. Yeah, she's kind of vague about it, but you get there eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Edward loses his goddamn shit. <laughs> we should have done this for the intro where um they there's like two kids that notice Emmett just holding Edward in his seat and they're just like okay well they're fucking weird anyways moving on (laughs) that's so funny to me I'm just imagining you know I'm Susan Jones sitting in my Spanish class and there's two hotties in the class right okay and out of my peripherals I see some movement and I turn and look and they're one of them is holding the other and they're just staring into each other's eyes wow, I would be hot and bothered in class. Like, I know they're brothers, but, like, just two hotties. <laughs> That's, like, incest, you creep. No, just two hot guys staring at each other with passion, you know? I'd be like, whoa, what's going on? Like, oh, my God, the, the fury. Like, wow, it's a- amazing. <laughs> God. Yeah, you know what? That's kind of fucked up. But there is, you know, there is a little bit of me. Sometimes when men, like, fight in movies, I'm like, hmm. Okay. Taking notes. Taking notes, yeah. I feel like that's kind of like um, 
I, I can't think of the word, not evolutionary, but kind of like an evolutionary response because you're like, ooh, he could fight for me type of thing, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You want you want a male that or uh, just a significant other, a mate, if you will, that will give your children the best future. So if you see someone who looks like they're going to survive longer, hell yeah, that's some good genes. Paige would know. She knows about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, Emmett kind of talks him down from the ledge and is being like, stop, like, you're in enough trouble as it is. Um, and then Emmett, or sorry, Edward just kind of sits there thinking about it. And he's like, so I guess I'm going to have to fight with my family? <laughs> question mark, question mark. Um, what are your thoughts on this potential fight and your your thoughts on just Jasper's immediate automatic stance of like remove Bella? There's a part um, a, on page 77 a little bit later that says that Jasper is obviously the most experienced fighter. So that would be really hard. So there was like a little bit of context clues that Jasper has some sort of a big fighting background or almost like I think they talk about it a little bit later that he comes from like a place where there was a lot of war um so it's knowing that it's not super surprising that Jasper would just be like all right well let's just take out the threat let's just deal with it right now um I just never thought that there actually was gonna be a fight the family just strikes me as not necessarily peaceful with each other, but can get along well enough that I didn't think that there was actually going to be a fight. Um, although it was tense. So at this point, before we kind of get to the family meeting at their house, are you like surprised that Edward is like preparing to fight the people that he's lived with for decades over this girl or not so much? I guess maybe a little bit. I mean, I don't really know. Um, I it I just it seems like Edward is confused as well about the whole situation. So something drastic maybe has to happen because he's just never something that he's needed to experience. But it just does seem weird. Like in the hundred years or whatever that they've all lived together, it doesn't really seem like anything like this has ever happened before. So it does seem a little bizarre I don't know I don't know if that answers your question or not no it does yeah that was kind of a tough question so I was just curious so Edward's sitting in Spanish class thinking about who's going to take his side um, and he kind of goes through his family Carlisle he thinks would be on on his side but he won't fight anyone Esme is just going to probably be neutral he thinks um, won't fight. And he does make an interesting statement here on page 76 where he says, we all loved each other, even under the fury I felt towards Jasper and Rose right now, even planning to fight them to save the girl. I knew that I loved them. I don't know. I felt like that was really necessary because sometimes with the Collins, I feel like there is such like an animalistic, like survival quality about their, you know, family unit that it's like important I feel like for the reader to know that they actually do give a shit about each other, you know? Yeah. And there's, it's also, especially in this book communicated over and over again, that they're not really related. Like we're not by blood anyways, you know? So I, 
it's like Stephanie wanted to instill like just so you know like they're not like really family but then also give that reminder but we do love each other like we are like just because it's not like familial ties we still love each other like we are a family and we are a family just not in the traditional way that a family is yeah like the found family trope mm-hmm um and then he thinks about Alice and he thinks that she'll just side with whoever is gonna win I'm surprised by this because I'm like wouldn't I don't know I just feel like Alice would side with Jasper I I got that feeling too I I like the thought that Alice is just like "Hmm." also I I kind of like the thought of her siding with whoever would win I it just seemed kind of fun for her but I think you're right I think she would side with Jasper because it's all she seems to think about is like caring for him and making sure that he's okay so she would want to be there to keep him safe and make sure that he's doing okay right right um so as Edward is thinking about that obviously the class is coming to an end um he's also thinking about maybe kidnapping Bella to get him away get her away from the danger which yikes (laughs) Thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> Paige is just shaking her head. Um, so then finally school's over. They get to the car. Love Rosalie's energy here. <laughs> Idiot, lunatic, moron, jackass, selfish, irresponsible fool. Rosalie kept up a constant stream of insults at the top of her mental lungs. And the whole time Edward is just looking at Alice's thoughts, trying to figure out where Jasper is going like how he's going to attack and then because he's watching that happen he's planning too so it's changing Alice's visions um and she gets annoyed and says stop um I won't allow this to happen so they pull up into the garage and there's all these fucking cars there which we'll find out more about later and they go straight to the dining room because Carla and Esme are already there um there's like a dining room table in there for them to have these kinds of meetings. They have this weird moment where people kind of sit like with their teams, quote unquote. So Carlisle's at the head of one table with Esme next to him and Edward goes and sits with them. Rosalie sits as far away from Carlisle as possible. And then Jasper goes and stands behind Rosalie. So he's even more, you know, aloof, I think is the word they use later, which is like perfect to describe Jasper. And then Alice actually ends up sitting with Carlisle, Esme, and Edward. And you can, um, Edward notices that this makes Jasper uncomfortable, but he doesn't move. Mm-hmm. So then they have this whole meeting. Um, so first Edward apologizes um, for what happened and that he says he's going to take full responsibility. And Rosalie says, are you going to fix it? And what she means is remove the problem, a.k.a. kill Bella. I really liked when Rosalie said that because he's like, I take full responsibility. And she says, what do you mean take full responsibility? Are you going to fix it? I hate when people say, oh, well, I take responsibility. It's like, okay, well, you still, you still, what are you going to do about it? Like just saying that you take responsibility essentially really isn't anything. Like how are you going to respond to what you've done and make it right? Like just saying it is nothing. You have to act on it too. So I'm on I'm on Rosalie's side on that, call, calling him out. Like good job that you're taking responsibility. Now what's gonna happen next? Yeah, like taking responsibility is just lip service without action. Exactly. 
Um, so Edward is like, um, I'm not going to take responsibility, responsibility the way you mean. And he says he's going to leave. And Emmett is like, no, that's actually going to make it worse because she'll be more likely to talk. Carlisle agrees with her. They're kind of just going all back and forth. And Alice says she can't see what happened if we just ignore this because Rose and Jasper, their plans are so in the way to kill Bella. Then Rosalie kind of has her moment to talk. So she basically argues that they can't allow like hard concrete evidence to exist behind them at any time ever. Um, she says, basically she's arguing that Bella is a liability um, and that they have to be more careful than anyone else, meaning other vampires because of the way that they choose to live as a family and not like nomadically. Yeah. Um, and Edward tries to argue that they've left rumors behind them before. And Rosalie says, just rumors and suspicions, Edward, not eye eyewitnesses and evidence. And then Rosalie offers to basically kill Bella in her sleep to make it look like she just died as part of the accident. So early, earlier you brought up um, kind of the thing about Jasper and his like context about his history that was briefly mentioned. It was interesting because when I was reading this chapter, I was like, Ooh, is there going to be spoilers? And there kind of was, but not enough to really give you, you know, more than just a few details. So I brought that up because right after Rosalie says this, um, Edward says, yes, Rosalie, we all know how proficient an assassin you are. And then Carlisle says, Rosalie, I looked the other way in Rochester because I felt that you were owed your justice. The men you, you killed had wronged you monstrously. This is not the same situation. The swan girl is entirely innocent. What did you think of that, knowing absolutely nothing about Rosalie? I, I know that we talked about this many, many episodes ago, but I kind of remember a little bit about Rosalie's backstory that... I remember that she killed a bunch of guys that did basically what Carlisle says is the the most of what I remember was that she did kill some people because they did something to her that was very bad. I can't remember if they like killed her husband or like attacked her. I can't really remember that specifically, but um, I just do remember that that happened in one of the movies. I can't remember. Does it does it kind of influence your thinking on Rosalie and her behavior at all to know kind of this vague information? I mean, it makes sense that I I mean, she doesn't want to be a vampire. She's okay, content with the life she's living now. If she was okay killing in the past to keep what peace she has here, I could fully see her being fine with wanting to do it not wanting to but being fine with doing it again so it wasn't surprising it, it did bring a lot of light I would say to her choices and of what with what she wanted to do yeah that makes sense um so after this kind of speech by Rosalie Carlisle is like no we will not be doing that it goes against everything that we are and that we've worked to be and, you know, worked so hard to be so that, you know, they don't kill people and they, they feed on animals. He says, we, we risk losing the essence of who we are. And Rosalie kind of tries to fight it, but Edward can tell that she's kind of given up 
and that she'll she'll go along with it. Um, but Jasper does not give a shit. And this is kind of what Paige brought up earlier. This is on page 81. Edward says, before he and Alice had met, he lived in a combat zone, a relentless theater of war. He knew the consequences of flouting the rules. He'd seen the grisly aftermath with, with his own eyes. So you got any thoughts on that before we move on? I, I think I predicted this a while ago, but I still think that Jasper's vampire family, they were like, not necessarily amazing fighters, but almost like feral like they killed a lot they like did a lot of like brutal violence that's what I thinking that's what I'm thinking that he came from because I want to say that in Twilight there was some sort of comparison with the life that he was living or that he wanted a completely different life from the life that he was living and to have something be the opposite of what the Cullens are doing it would have to be something really really brutal so I have a feeling that he is comes from a family that like has a lot of violence either to other people or towards them just a lot of fighting a lot of brutality I I want to say yeah yeah I like that prediction I have a question for you maybe maybe I'm just sensitive but how do you feel about Edward calling Bella Isabella to his family when he knows that she doesn't like that name? Can you point me to where it is? It's on page 81. It's basically him saying, like, I'm not going to allow you to hurt her. It's kind of towards the bottom, and it it's just one single paragraph by itself. I'm not disturb disputing that, Jasper, but I'm telling you now, I won't allow you to hurt Isabella Swan. You know, I kind of took it as, like, him being extremely forceful. Like, sometimes when I'm, like, in an argument or, like, trying to make a point, I, I will, like, spell things out literally, you know? So I'll be, like, I'm trying to think of, like, an example. I, I can't think of anything right now, but, like, that's how I took it, where he was like, I will not allow you to hurt Isabella Swan. Like, that's how he was saying it in my head. So I wasn't, like, super offended by it or anything. I don't know. What did you think about it? It just rubbed me the wrong way. Like, that you he had gone out of his way to make sure that he called her the right name, like, to her face. But then, I, I mean, I like what you're saying. I think that it makes a lot of sense. The way that I interpreted it was that, like, he was, like, going behind her back almost to call her, like, a name that she didn't like. And I know that he wasn't doing that on purpose, but it's like, you know she doesn't like that name. So why would you do it when you know that she doesn't, I guess? I'm probably just being overly sensitive. <laughs> no, I don't think so. It's a weird choice. Like, it's kind of random. I don't know what it really accomplishes. Yeah. So I feel you on that. So speaking of which, um, Edward kind of tries to fight Jasper on this, not literally fight, but argue with him and say, you know, I, you will not be touching her. I will not allow you to do so. And then the whole situation is basically saved by Alice because she comes forward and she's like, hey, Jasper, it'd be great if you couldn't hurt Bella because we are going to be besties. <laughs> So there's this whole sequence where this is basically all of page 82 and 83, where 
Alice and Edward are kind of having basically a telepathic conversation. And it's so funny. I, I had made a note that says LMAO at Emmett because Emmett is so fucking annoyed where he's like, this is so annoying. What is going on? Because all that's happening is Bella or sorry, Bella. Alice is seeing all these visions. Edward is commenting on them. And then she's like making vague comments back, but no one else knows what's going on. I'd be so annoyed. I like that none, no one else is saying anything. Emmett is just, like, the only one being like, can we stop? Like, can we include all of us? Because Emmett really wasn't contributing anything before this. Like, maybe, like, a sentence here or there. But he's like, okay, well, if we're going to have a conversation, we need to all be involved in it, not just you two, okay? It's not fair to the rest of us. Yeah, he's like, this is a family meeting. <laughs> That's funny. Um... So, yeah, the sequence, um, first, Alice sees that they're going to be friends, like I just mentioned, and then that makes Jasper's plans falter because she specifically asks him not to do it, and he'll listen to her because he loves her, and so that clears a new future, and then she sees that Belle is not going to say anything about the accident and what happened, and, um, Edward is like, what, is, what does that mean? And Alice says, I told you there was a change coming. I don't know, Edward. But it's clear that she's, like, lying and hiding something from him. And then um, her concentration breaks for a second. And she's, they keep referring to these two visions, which you don't find out what they are until the end of the chapter. But um, basically, it's that one is Bella dead, Edward having killed her, and the other is Bella as a vampire. So what did you think of this whole sequence when, um, you know, there's this whole thing where Alice says, well, thanks, I love her too, or I will. It's not the same, but I want her around for that. And Edward says, love her too, I whispered incredulous. First of all, before you give your thoughts, I just want to say she's speaking for all of us on this because she says, you are so blind, Edward. Can't you see where you're headed? Can't you see where you already are? It's more inevitable than the sun rising tomorrow morning. Which, but anyways, what did you think of this whole vision sequence thing? I really loved it. Um, I love seeing that they literally, like, can kind of see the future. I mean, two futures, you know. What really confused me is that Edward is so upset and dramatic about it. I'm like, it doesn't seem like you're really losing that much here. I mean, the killing Bella kind of sucks, you know, that would be bad. But then he's also upset about him loving her and then like having a relationship together. I'm like, why are you upset about that? You should be happy that like someone would want to love you and like be in a relationship with you. Like I, it just, it really surprised me that he was so, he didn't, he didn't want that either. I'm like, just be happy that someone wants you, Edward. It's been 90 years. Edward is unhappy that someone would love him because he hates himself. Like, that's really what it comes down to. Like, he thinks that he is a monster who is, like, half alive and basically irredeemable, which is, like, it makes me kind of sad. And that's why I feel like, I mean, neither of us are very nice about Edward, but I feel like I give him a little more leniency than you do because I'm like... That would fucking suck to hate yourself for all of eternity, you know? That's a really good point. I, I, you know, I'll try, I'll try to be a little nicer to him. 
You don't have to. I'm just saying that's why I am a little bit. I'm still kind of mean about it, but I don't know. I think that's why he's so upset about it. He's like, she deserves so much better, which can I just make a little tiny little, little side speech here? Women fucking hate that when men do that. I know I'm speaking for just myself, but I have heard from other women that they hate that when you're, when men are like, you're too good for me. Like we can't be together because you're too good for me. It's like, if I was too good for you, which I probably am, but if I thought that that was a contributing factor, I would not be trying to be together with you. So maybe get over yourself. Like, oh my God, that is like the most annoying fucking thing ever, in my opinion. Yeah. I got some personal issues to work through. <laughs> That's how I feel. Like if if you talk to someone who's that you're interested in and they're self-deprecating, it's just like, please, no, I don't, don't talk about yourself this way because I mean, it's not true. And like, I, I don't want you to feel that way about yourself. And then hearing you express that that's how you feel makes me sad because it's just like, I don't want you to think that way. So it just, it breaks my heart for Edward. Now, now that I hear this, I'm like, maybe Edward's okay. I mean, not, not completely. I'm not going to say he, (laughs) I'm not going to give him the full thumbs up but I have a little more of a heart. Yeah, it makes him like a sympathetic character rather than just like a fucking alien, which he is wont to be. Mm-hmm. So um, Rosalie is kind of harsh about this. I know we're usually really nice about Rosalie, but I think she's mean about this when she like gags about Edward being in love with Bella and is like, she's being kind of fucking rude. It's like, nobody asked you. I, if you just imagine that someone um, you don't like is maybe going to start a relationship with your sibling, that would just be, I, I don't like it, but I can see why she's upset. I can too, but I'm like, mind your own business. My sister has dated people I didn't fucking like, and I minded my own business, you know what I'm saying? Since you've been married for 70 years, like, let us have our fun. Yeah, for real. For real. Um, so everyone is shook when they realize that Edward's going to fall in love with Bella. Even Esme is like, fall in love with her? I'm like, Jesus Christ, why is everybody being so fucking rude? Like, god damn. Um, and then Alice kind of puts it very succinctly. She says, it all depends on whether he is strong enough. Either he'll kill her himself, which would really irritate me, Edward, not to mention what it would do to you, or she'll be one of us someday. So, um, Carlisle is like, okay, well, obviously we're not going to be leaving. Obviously no one's going to hurt Bella and Jasper agrees to it. Um, and that this is when Edward decides to leave the room and by the room, I mean the, probably the state of Washington, (laughs) he fucking takes off. Um, because he's upset that he, he also puts it very succinctly. Nice little summary for me. Thanks, Edward. Rosalie's self-righteous disgust, Emmett's humor, Carlisle's never-ending patience, Alice's confidence, Jasper's confidence in that confidence, Esme's joy. All of these things upset him. So he's like, yeet, I'm out. Um, so he goes for a run and he's thinking about the two visions that Bella had, or um, that Alice had about Bella. Um, even in the one where he's a vampire, obviously we know that Edward is very against that idea. Um, right now he's just wondering, like, 
what could have happened to get her to that point because he doesn't yet picture the idea that like she could like him back um and then let's see here yeah he's just kind of wondering you know what to do what's going to happen he says i couldn't stand to see this could not bear it i tried to banish it from my mind try to see something anything else and then to kind of finish out the chapter he says that he's going to choose a different path there was always a choice there had to be do you have any notes from this chapter or thoughts that we didn't go over it's really not important it just it made me laugh so hard the very bottom of page 84 i just wanted to read the line I'll I'll say Emmett agreed. His voice was still close to laughter. Trust Emmett to find a joke in the destruction of my life. I just... (laughs) So dramatic. So dramatic. And I just love, again, that Emmett's just like (laughs) laughing so hard at Edward's sad attitude. Just like not taking anything seriously. I love Emmett and... Edward just being classic drama e-boy. I love it all. I know, it's so funny. (laughs) They're such a funny pair together. Just like totally night and day. Mm -hmm. So then chapter five starts. um, (laughs) Speaking of dramatic, the first line is, High school, purgatory no longer. It was now purely hell. Torment and fire. Yes, I had both. So the first part of this chapter is basically spanning the month that in Twilight... We know Edward kind of just ignored Bella and Bella went about her life. Um, So we hear this from Edward's perspective that every day is harder and harder because he wants to talk to her. And obviously is like, he doesn't think that he's falling in love with her, but he is. Um, But he is just trying to stay strong. He never even looks at her. Like he legit never even looks at her. Um, He's like, I cannot allow myself to look at her, which is so fucking dramatic, whatever. Um, What did I write this about? I said, oh, at the bottom of um, page 88, did I love her? I did not think so, not yet. Alice's glimpses of that future had stayed with me, though, and I could see how easy it would be to fall into loving Bella. It would be exactly like falling effortless. Not letting myself love her was the opposite of falling. It was pulling myself up up a cliff, hand over hand, the task as grueling as if I had no more than mortal strength. I wrote, this is some Taylor Swift shit, lol. Which you know is a compliment because I'm a Swifty, but I'm like, why is Edward thinking these things? He He's taking a dive into poetry. You know, I think that's what Edward is really missing out on. He could funnel all of his dramaticisms into the written word. He could. He would be great at slam poetry. I feel like it'd be good for him. Mm-hmm. He has the aesthetic of a slam poet. He's already good at music, so he has that arts element to him that I think, you know, he could really thrive in the slam poetry business. Too bad he didn't have us to be consultants on his life. I would never consult his life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> Um, so he goes into this long monologue about his quote unquote four torments. So the first one is his thirst for Bella. I did like, I do want to say that on page 89, he does put the responsibility on himself, which is kind of what we talked about last time, which was like revolutionary and groundbreaking for him to do, which is fucking ridiculous. The bars on the floor. But when he says, 
The first two were familiar, her scent and her silence, or rather to take the responsibility on myself where it belonged, my thirst and my curiosity. I'm like, yes, it does belong there. Thank you for acknowledging. Mm-hmm. He's going to he's gonna do a little switcheroo towards the end and kind of put some shit back onto Bella, which I'll get to, but I, you're right. He does take a little bit of responsibility there. Let me know when you're ready to go off on that part. Okay. Um, so the first, as I was saying, is his thirst for Bella and how it never gets any easier. The second is how he can't hear her thoughts. Um, and she, he's just like dying to know her thoughts. So then this is kind of how he goes into all his observations about Bella and the kind of person that she is, which I do want to say, I don't know if this cheapens this for you. It might, it might not. This whole sequence about Bella and Tara in their science class and Eric about Comic-Con, not present in the first draft of Midnight Sun. Totally new edition. And I think it was partially, this is just a theory, so don't jump down my throat if you don't agree, listeners, but I think it was partially um, a response on Stephanie Meyer's part to the idea that her characters were flat or like that they would have had no reason to fall in love with each other or that they weren't like good people or blah, 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 this, that. Not that people tried to say that Bella wasn't a good person, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed reading this part. I thought that it it painted Bella in such a great light, and I feel like it revealed a lot to her character. But, I mean, I didn't even know that, that it was added in. Like, I really enjoyed reading that part. So, I mean, I think it def- the book definitely benefited from it. So, I'm I'm happy it was in there. I agree. I agree. It Yeah, it elevates Bella's character for me, because I already liked her. So I'm not, like, mad about it. I'm not trying to say, like, oh, this is bullshit or whatever. It's just, it was interesting to me because I know that there was so much flack about, like, you know, and there's the whole Kristen Stewart thing, too, and, like, Bella not having any emotion and not caring about anything, which, if you think that's true, you just don't know the nuances of good acting. I'm just saying, but, and also the script. The script is what Kristen Stewart was acting off of. She's a fucking good actor, so, actress, so fuck off. Anyway. I also think um, that adding this whole sequence and him expressing that, like, the reason or one of the things that drew him to her was that she was just simply a good person and that she was she he's already called her selfless. But then adding more detail to that in Twilight, you see Edward feeling so torn and wanting to keep her safe and like really trying to keep himself from hurting her. Like you see, you see him wanting to do that so bad, but now seeing why that he like, he cannot hurt this like truly innocent person. Like she is literally I don't want to say the goodest of the good. That doesn't make any sense. But, like, she's a good person, and it would be, like, it would already be horrible for him to just straight-up murder her, but to straight-up murder a person that is just a all-around good, kind, compassionate, caring person would be even more heinous of a crime in his eyes. True. True. That's a good point. I do think it helps me with the whole... Because... Even though I loved these books growing up, there is kind of like, why are they even in love? Like, what do they see in each other? You know what I mean? So I think this helps with that, especially reading it as an adult, because I'm like, I know what crushes were back like then. They were about two feet deep. They were very shallow. Like, 
based on like liking one song from the band the same band you know so mm-hmm. I appreciate that even if it is a little bit contrived yeah and like when I see this quality in a person that is a really attractive quality seeing someone who is a genuinely good person who's kind to others without needing anything in return I can see why Edward would be attracted to that it is a very lovely quality in a person so I'm I'm team Edward with being attracted to good people (laughs) totally definitely um so we kind of just like skated over it but basically Bella um gives a chance to someone in their class who never has partners and is failing the class according to Edward um and she does it so that you know the good grade on the project, the group project, will help her pass the class. And then there's another incident where the whole lunch table is talking about their dream destinations, and Eric says Comic-Con, and everyone is making fun of him and just being really rude. And Bella's like, no, that's mine, too. And she actually doesn't know anything about it, which no one else seems to realize, but um, Edward kind of picks up on. Um, so he says that this kind of thing is common with her and like Paige said, just realizes that she is just overall a good person. So then he goes into the third quote unquote torment, Mike Newton. This starts out funny and then turns dark. Like at first you're like, ha, he fucking hates Mike. And then it's like, I wanted to pulverize his skull with my hand. And I was like, um, this is serial killer behavior. Like. Yeah, I made a note that the line, the boy was weak, made me laugh. But then I was like, oh, but like, I actually don't like the rest. Oh, I don't like this aggression. Also, Bella doesn't belong to you. So like, you don't need to be feeling this way. So yes, I was going to get into this later, like a few pages down the road. Um, But we'll just get into it now. Um, He complains that Mike is possessive over Bella and kind of just like doesn't actually like her he just likes the idea of her and like this person that he's made her into in his head which I don't think Edward has done the second thing but he's also possessive of her like he just assumes that she's going to want to talk to him I'm looking at page we'll, we'll come back but I'm looking at page 96 um sort of near the top he says the curiosity was not as vicious as it would have been before. Now that I was fully intending to find out the answers to everything, I would know the reasons behind this new revelation soon enough. It's like, you would know the reasons you would know everything about her life. What if she doesn't want to talk to you? But she doesn't. I mean, I guess she kind of does, but like there's, there's nothing in her actions so far that express that she wants to talk to him. So like, there's no reason for him to be acting like he has any right to be possessive over her. She's done nothing but give co- the the clues to him that she's not interested in him. And he even says that it's bothering him that she, that of her indifference that she's not giving him the time of fucking day and he's upset by it. So it's like there's no reason for you to be possessive right now when she's giving you no hint that she's even interested. Yes, it's literally torment number four is Bella's indifference. And it's so just hypocritical of him to be like, Mike is such a piece of shit. He's so possessive over my Bella. And it's like not seeing the irony there at all. No. (laughs) Dumb bitch juice. For real. Rude bitch juice. Which is a whole different flavor. (laughs) Um, So... 
they kind of it's almost like they zoom in like that's a weird phrase to use but like this whole thing has been kind of abstract just time passing but then they zoom into this one specific day um where mike is going to ask bella out because jessica had just asked him to the dance so we're back on this whole fucking thing where three different guys ask bella to a dance i'm just i i just want the listeners to know that I'm astral projecting out of my body and I'm kicking Stephanie Meyer's door down and I'm just whispering in her ear, this is unrealistic. (laughs) The thing I love most about what you just said is that it could be pulled out and used in every episode we've ever recorded. (laughs) I, you know, my astral projection body knows no limits. That's fair. Can you, can you just project less enough to still have this conversation with me right now yes I will return (laughs) don't leave me here all alone (laughs) Uh, so yeah you know what I don't even feel like getting into the pettiness of this whole thing again but essentially Mike um asking Bella out triggers this whole thing in Edward's mind where he's like you know even if she says no to Mike right now eventually she will say yes to someone and she's going to get married and have a normal life and it's not going to be with me and that just completely breaks his resolve and that's the point where he decides to escalate the events that then result in the rest of this book like he's like okay I'm I'm giving up I'm thrown in the towel just just a sigh it's Someone someone wanting to be with another person shouldn't be the motivation for you to want them more. It shouldn't, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be devil's advocate here, even though I fucking hate that expression. That doesn't that isn't that realistic though? Like you have a crush on someone, but you're not ever gonna do anything about it until you hear that somebody else is gonna do something about it, and then you're like, shit, I gotta act, you know? Yeah. I it's just usually in those situations that person doesn't have supernatural abilities or like the ability to like break into someone's home and watch them while they sleep or like, you know, any of that jazz. So, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> oh, any of that casual stuff on the side. You know, casual felonies. Very good point. Um so after Bella turns down Mike they have this moment where they're just fucking staring into each other's eyes. It's weird all over again. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, there's this point on, it's a small, small note, but there's this point on page 94, right in the middle. It says, to think it had come to this. I was utterly fixated on the petty high school dramas I'd, that I'd once held so in contempt. I literally wrote, dude, you are the petty high school drama. It's, you are it. It's literally you. Yeah, like, Jessica has her own story of, like, being ignored by the Cullens. Like, I bet there's so many students who have their own little thing about, like, the Cullens were doing this weird thing. Like, you're involved in it even more than you, I mean, Edward probably knows. But, like, like you know, people have their own dramas with you and your family. Like, you're you're in high school. You're going to be involved in a little bit here and there. If you're not, it's like... If you're not, it's almost like you are because, and that's pretty much what's happening to the Colons. It's like their lack of involvement is drama in and of itself. Here's a little aphorism for you kids out there. To live is to drama. <laughs> like, you can't, avo- you can't avoid it forever. Emily, the book of Emily, chapter one, verse eight. 
for real. Although here's what I will say. Um, obviously there's a lot of drama in our world right now, but I would say I'm the most drama-less I've been in a while just be- on account of the fact that I can't leave my fucking house. <laughs> wow, congrats. <laughs> I mean, don't you feel the same? It's like all we ever do is work anymore. We can't fucking do anything else. That's true. To be fair, I wasn't doing too much. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I am kind of a messy bitch. I will admit that about myself. I love some drama. Just really spices things up, you know, gives it a little flavor, gives a little smokiness, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's the salt. It is. They say that variety is the spice of life, but they really mean drama. Mm-hmm. Anyways. <laughs> um, so then this whole time, Edward is thinking very extremely violent thoughts about Mike, which are terrifying. Um, I also wanted to put our point out when Edward says something about like how he can't put a name to the emotion where it's just it's on page 95 he said I didn't understand this emotion it was such a tangle of pain and fury and desire and despair I had never felt it before I couldn't put a name to it I literally put eye roll you can't put a name to it it's we all know you're jealous yeah how do you not know what's happening when you've like lived for so long and seen at least one movie in that time, I'm sure. I guess, I, I guess my, how I justified in my head is that Edward has, I'm assuming, really never had a person that he's felt so drawn to. And if he has, it was like 90 years ago. So he, he probably has never felt a jealousy like this maybe ever in his life so it's like I'm experiencing something wholly new like that you have to put words to you know like if you had never felt jealousy would you would you know it when it was happening to you I don't know I feel like you would if you'd seen anything from pop culture but maybe uh, maybe not I don't know the CDs that Edward has in his car are like Tchaikovsky he does have Lincoln Park, though. He has Lincoln Park. That's true. I I just, you know, I don't associate Edward Cullen and pop culture together. He just doesn't really strike me as a as a media guy. Media consumer. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So um, the whole incident with Mike happens, and then... Um, they kind of have this stupid argument at the end of class when, well, it's not, it's stupid on Edward's part. I'm proud of Bella for standing up for herself. And she's like, what, are you talking to me again? Um, and then they have this whole thing where Edward kind of apologizes, but it's like a half-ass apology. Um, and he says, it's better for not friends, trust me. And then Bella's like, well, too bad you saved me from the van then. You wouldn't have so many regrets. And then Edward gets mad at her because... I kind of get why he gets mad because it's so ludicrous to him. The idea that like he has sacrificed and she doesn't know this, obviously it's not her fault, but he has sacrificed a lot to not harm her. And she's like, don't you just want me dead? And it's like, fuck you. No, I'm like working so hard every minute of my life to not have you dead. So I get it. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed reading that paragraph because, you know, that's the one great thing about this book is that you you literally hear the thoughts that are going on in the scenes from both perspectives. And I just hadn't considered that, that Edward is every moment of his life 
in the past, however long it's been, like month or so, has been committed to keeping her alive because that's the only thing he can think about is how amazing it would be if if he could indulge in this one thing. So every moment he has to like work so hard to make sure that doesn't happen. And like, she has no idea. And he has to like restrain himself from like telling her like, girl, you don't even know. You don't even know about the 800,000 ways I've thought about killing you. So maybe take a step back. Yes. Yeah. It'd be very frustrating to be him in this moment. Um, But she kind of storms out, but she drops her books and then he picks them up and she storms away. So then, um, they have this little class, or there's a, not this little class, but there's this little moment with Emmett in Spanish class where um, Emmett thinks that Edward looks hopeful and he's kind of surprised by that. So then he pulls this whole stunt where he can watch Eric ask Bella to the dance, but not be seen, which is creepy. Um, but we all know how this turns out. Bella turns him down too. And then Edward realizes that Tyler is also going to be doing it. So he pulls the whole thing where he pulls out in his car and um, blocks Bella's way out so that Tyler can ask her to the dance. I'm just, he never says what happens. He hints that his family is like annoyed and confused, but I'm like, what is Rosalie thinking right about now? She's fucking pissed, I bet. She's like, I want to go home and do my leisurely things and you are wasting my stupid time. I... I was thinking the exact same thing. I'm like, bro, you're not the only one here driving. You, you have your whole family who you're driving with. You know, we're not all going to wait for you to do your stupid e-boy shit. Exactly. <laughs> but they do. They have to wait for him to do his stupid e-boy shit. And it would be, like, even more frustrating to be like Rosalie because she knows she could just get out and run and be home in 10 seconds probably, but she can't because people would see her. Mm-hmm. Frustrating. Um, so Edward loses his mind at Bella's pissed off expression after Tyler asks her to the dance. Um, he just thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. And then Alice ruins the moment because, um, she says, so do I get to talk to Bella now? And he's like, no. Um, and then he has this really depressing moment. This is the thing about Edward is even when he's having a good moment, he finds a way to ruin it, which... I know all about that. I have clinical depression. <laughs> but just like sometimes can you just enjoy yourself? God damn it. It's only going to get worse. Trust me. I You can't tell me these things. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but the moment he has here is he asks Alice, what's the point in getting to know her if I'm just going to kill her? <laughs> and Alice is like, good point. <laughs> I didn't think about that. So um, Edward goes on his daily run that he's been going on. He goes hunting. And then as he's like finishing out hunting, he realizes like all the dangers that could kill a human, which this is so fucking ridiculous. We've kind of already talked about this and how it's not a justification for breaking and entering and being a stalker. But he's like, I'm just going to go check on her and make sure she's okay. So he rolls up to her house and then he's like, what if I just like look inside? Also, here's the thing about this. Does Bella not have curtains or blinds or anything? I mean, it the way that it's phrased, it sounds like her room might be, like, up against the woods. 
So, I mean, like, maybe, maybe she does, but she doesn't necessarily have the need to keep them shut because who's going to look in her window, you know, like, if it, if the, if her room just faces the woods, like, she doesn't really have any reason to be worried. So, like, maybe she, she's just like, well, whatever, fuck it. I think it's creepy. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, who, the Slender Man lives in the woods. I mean, it doesn't sound safe to me, but you know. To each their own, I guess. So he decides to go in um, and literally says, I was repulsed by myself. How was I better than some sick peeping Tom? I wasn't any better. I was much, much worse. And it's like, yeah, pretty much. And you continue to go ahead and do it. You like, you admit it's wrong. And then you're like, well, that's not stopping me. It's like in Spongebob when they're going to look for that worm and Spongebob's like, Paige already knows I'm just doing this for my listeners' benefit because she's already laughing. But Spongebob's like, what if I said blah, 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 and like a bunch of gibberish. And Sandy says, I gotta admit that's slowing me down, but I'm still going. No one thinks these references are funny except for us, but we don't care. I, you know what, Emily? You know, the greatest bit of advice that I've ever heard? Hmm. Licking doorknobs is illegal on other planets. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what I was thinking about the other day when Patrick gets hit by that bowling ball from Doodle Bob and he lands and he goes, Finland! <laughs> like, why Finland? Uh, I just, you know, imagine being in the the writer's room for SpongeBob. You could pitch anything and it would be fine. Like, literally anything. And they're like, yeah, let's make an episode out of it. It's fine. <laughs> if I make it to heaven, I hope I get to experience a writer's room of Spongebob. That'd be amazing. It would be. So, unfortunately, we have to talk about this. I literally wrote in my notes, four O's. Okay, so let's talk about underlined this. Edward goes into all the human rules that his fa- he and his family do not follow. And he offhandedly, just in passing, mentions that they are fucking loaded because they engage in insider trading. I'm sorry! What? We're just gonna be casual about that? Like, we're just gonna be chill with it? We're cool? We don't care? And, like, it, it had this energy to it that... Stephanie needed to find a way to explain how much money they had and I was like in my head I was like well Carlisle's a doctor and he's been a doctor for years and years that's where I figured they got their money from like you didn't need it didn't it it made less sense to me throwing that bit in like it just seems out of place to me it's out of place and it's so like just privileged and gross and it's just like bleh, it makes me want to take a shower after I read it like why yeah it's very bizarre and it like I I want to know more information like what were you what were you exploiting to get get your money like what what insider trading did you take a part of like what 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 companies like I I just want to know more I want to know I want to know more 
I will go ahead and reveal this to you because I don't even know if it's in canon. I don't even know how I know this information. But basically, they use Alice's powers to figure out which stocks are going to go to do well and invest in those. Invest a lot in those. And then sell them when they're going to go down, you know, and so on. Wow. Just like so gross and privilegy. Yeah. Stocks just give me the heebie-jeebies. So like anyone who who makes their money in stocks, I'm just like, I just it seems like evil. I can't explain it. It's just like it has like a sinister energy to it. <laughs> it doesn't feel evil to me, but it's so above my head, and I just am ne- will never be on that level with my fucking 60k of student debt. Which by the way, I've, I've already paid 30k off. It was 90k. So I mean, whatever. But I'm just like me stocks. Not ever in the same continent, much less anything else. The only thing I can think of is that one meme where it's like a poorly uh, designed, like human cartoon, and there's a down arrow, and it just says like stonks or something like that. Have you seen that? <laughs> I haven't. You'll have to send it to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. I mean, the other shit kind of makes sense, like they're illegal documents, but that insider trading, let's, me and Paige are not down with that. Let's just make that very clear. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to drag my box over that little area. I'm going to hit control X and then I'm just going to move it to the trash can. <laughs> Agreed. Um, so Edward is using all these things and, and he says, and then there were all the italics murders and then just moves on he uses all these things that he does breaking the law and being immoral to be like oh this is no big deal it's just the whole thing is gross the whole thing is horrible like and once again it is not enough to be repulsed by yourself and know that you're doing something wrong and continue to do it yeah i mean i i eat a whole bag of chips in one night i know it's bad I still do it and I regret it the next day. Like I, just because you know, eating all of the hot Cheetos is bad for you, Paige. That isn't gonna, you have to actually not eat all the hot Cheetos for you to feel better, you know? Yeah, but that's not immoral is the difference. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's fair. (laughs) Here's my thing. I have OCD. And so part of my thing is like, I actually, it makes me physically uncomfortable to break rules, to break societal norms, to do wrong things. Like this one time, here's an example. This one time, not that long ago, probably like a year and a half ago, I went to Cold Stone and I forgot that they have a tipping system there. Like I figured it was just like, oh, you just paid and that was it. But I'm assuming because they have a tipping system, they probably pay their workers minimum wage, tipped minimum wage. And so I didn't have that much cash on me or I forget how I paid, but I ended up tipping not very much. I tipped like a dollar 50, I think. And it was haunting me so much that, so I went to Cold Stone, went to my sister's house, hung out with her. And then I literally, after I left my sister's house, went to the bank, got money out of the ATM, drove back to Cold Stone, walked in, found the person that served me. And I was like, I tipped you badly earlier. Here's this. I'm really sorry. Have a great night. Like, that's the kind of person I am. Not to be like, oh, I'm so fucking great. But I just, I can't comprehend, like, doing all these things and just being like, whatever. You know? Like, 
obviously I've done wrong things. I'm not perfect. I'm a fucking human being. But I just don't get how you live with yourself if you're Edward Cullen, you know? Yeah, I mean, you can do wrong things that, like, make your life worse. But when you do wrong things that make other people's lives worse, that's a completely different ballpark. You can fuck yourself up whatever way you want to do that. That's your own you you do whatever you got to do but once you start making decisions that negatively impact other people that's where it's like that's what i'm not okay with so you know all of these things are obviously bad but like i'm just thinking about like bella finding out that he broke into her house like every night and she was okay with it i'm like bella no and she kind of thought it was hot well she was she was mad that he heard her her sleep talking but I always got the vibe that she kind of was like flattered yeah I got the vibe too we talked about this long enough so he goes in because he hears her sleep talking um that's like his main motivation and he's sitting in her fucking rocking chair like just imagine waking up god the worst Mm -mm. this would never work if I was Bella because my cats would be like the fuck you ever you ever wonder if your cats would protect you if your house was like burglarized or something i don't wonder because i know they would run and hide in case in case you're wondering what i'm doing listeners i'm just slowly nodding my head (laughs) what about you do you wonder i one time I had a male visitor over and I was talking about that I thought that Tina would protect me if someone were to attack me and he was like she she was sitting on the bed with us and he was like well let's just let's just see what happens and he pretended to like attack me and she just watched so I don't think that she would (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious and sad Uh, so he's sitting there in her rocking chair. He fucking kills a spider, which I'm like, damn, I need to get me one of these boyfriends, <laughs> you know, just mm-hmm. for this purpose. They sell them at Home Depot, I think. Oh, yeah, I heard that they were on sale last week, but I missed the sale. <sighs> so then the, comes the point when, well, Edward's just having a moment, and he says, could a dead, frozen heart break? It felt as though mine would, because he's like, she deserves love and happiness. She will never choose me. She will never love me. Blah, blah, blah. And then he, she says his name in her sleep and says, stay. Don't go. Please don't go. And then his life fucking changes. And let me just say, I gotta I gotta live my truth, Paige. I gotta live my truth. This is kind of cute. <laughs> I can't lie. I can't lie. When he's like, what does he say? It would always, this is on page 109, it would always be so for me too. I would always love this fragile human girl for the rest of my limitless existence. I can't lie, that was fucking cute. I just, the whole scene is discolored for me, given how we ended up here. You know, like, like objectively, that little bracket of information is cute. But we have to extend the brackets. Why is Edward here? Why is he listening to Bella's sleep ramblings? Why is he in her house in the middle of the night? I just, you know, I I, I like it and I don't like it. 
Yeah. This is why I keep you around, because you keep me grounded. <laughs> I, I'm Edward's... Edward being a gross guy... Lightning rod. You know, I, I suck it up, and then I put it in the ground. I'm just like, fuck you, get out of here. I don't, I, I'm not okay with it. <laughs> I like that metaphor. Um, here's something cuter even. Mila is just washing Malcolm's ears and face and he's just laying there letting it happen. Aww. I would love someone to not wash my ears and face, but, you know, like give me a massage or something. I bet it feels good. For real. You know what? People who are in relationships during COVID, you're so fucking lucky. I have not felt human touch in years. <laughs> years. I I don't want to I don't want to be that person, but COVID hasn't been happening for years. <laughs> yeah, I was already in a rough spot, okay, Paige, and then this happened. I was like, this is my year. I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And and then it was like, ah, you thought yeah, at least at least with that, I can agree. Like, I thought maybe 2020 would be good, but in fact, it was, it was, it was so the opposite of good. It like invented a whole new word for what it was. Agreed. It's so funny to me, though. I mean, not funny. Obviously, this whole thing has been horrible. But where I was like, before COVID happened, I was like, I'm taking time for myself so that I can heal mentally from horrible things that my exes did to me. And then it was like. Really? Really? You want some time? You want some time to heal? Did you, you want some? Here's some. We got some for you. Here's here's literally two years. <laughs> Have fun at home, binge. <laughs> for real. Have fun watching rom-coms and just like sitting there staring at the ceiling after you finish them by yourself. Have fun watching rom-coms and eating coarse kosher salt. <laughs> okay, I don't know why you had to come from my throat for the third time this episode. <laughs> But coarse culture salt is fucking delicious. So I don't know why you even had to be part of this conversation. What would you do without me? I can tell you what you would be not eating coarse kosher salt. That's true. That's true. I really like coarse kosher salt. If, if you guys hadn't put that together. It's weird. I don't really care. Paige gets it from me from her work. It's fine. It's fine. I do a little insider trading. You know, I trade my time working for free salt. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> so, um, after this all happens, Edward is kind of plotting out his plan, and he's like, I'm going to walk this tightrope of be trying to be with her, but keeping her human is essentially what he wants to do. So... He, the morning finally comes and he runs to school, kind of comes out of the woods, which is hilarious. Um, and then we're back in a scene that we are familiar with from Twilight. He goes up to her because she drops her keys in a puddle and he picks them up and hands them to her. And then he realizes that she's still mad at him from the whole Tyler Crowley thing. And he's like, wow, I am a fucking idiot. I made this whole plan about our life and our future together and she might not even like want to talk to me. <laughs> it's so humbling. It's so funny to me. What is his exact, um, I want to find it. 
I wanted to laugh at myself or kick myself. All my plotting and planning was entirely moot if she didn't care for me too, wasn't it? Her dream could have been about something completely random. I was such an arrogant fool. <laughs> I feel that a lot, like planning out an entire situation in my head and then it does not go even remotely how I planned it. Like, well, I just wasted all that time. Like when I spent an hour and a half and I am not exaggerating an hour and a half planning the perfect message to leave at the place that I'm trying to get my internship at. And they picked up the phone. So that was really, it was like, I literally just wasted an hour and a half of my time planning something that never came to fruition. I don't have, I don't have a response. That's awful. I told that story at work and friend of the pod, Emma was like, did you not think that they were going to answer the phone? And I was like, I didn't think I would get this far. <laughs> that is my motto for life. <laughs> I am literally that plankton picture where he's like, I don't know. I didn't think I'd get this far. Like when people are like, what are you doing this weekend? I hate to have to say it all the time, but I'm like, I don't know. I didn't think I'd get this far. <laughs> like, I'm taking I'm a just, day at a time, sweaty. Yeah. I'm just... And sink or swim, I'm just swimming, but I'm doggy paddling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, um, they have this whole conversation where Edward invites her to go to Seattle with him, says that he'll drive. Um, and he's like, if she says no, like, I'll just move on with my life, I guess. Like, I'll just fucking suffer in silence for all of eternity. But of course she says yes, so he doesn't have to. Um, and he is on cloud nine about it for literally 0.2 seconds or less. It says, yes, she'd said yes to me. And then my conscience smote me. <laughs> like, good Lord. Um, also, I just want to say he's so, this is the beginning of Edward being so oblivious to how Bella feels about him because he thinks that he's frightening her when her heart speeds up, but really she's like, all a flutter because he's so attractive. It's so funny. Mm -hmm. And he, he like kind of just asked her out. So like, like obviously it would make her heart beat a little faster, but since he hasn't been in a human relationship in, Oh, I don't know, 98 years, <laughs> I guess he forgot that when people experience emotions, it causes a bodily reaction. Yep. Yep. So the chapter ends with, um, him saying, I'll see you in class, and instantly remembered that I would not see her in class. She scattered my thoughts so thoroughly. I had to concentrate to stop myself from running as I fled. Is there anything from this chapter we didn't cover that you want to talk about? Okay, so going back to um, when we were talking about Edward taking responsibility, finally, for once. Okay, so basically towards the end of the chapter, on pages 114 and 115, Edward is going back and saying, like, it would be more prudent for you not to be my friend. Um, I'm but I'm tired of staying away from you. And then they kind of chat a little bit. And then he says, you should really stay away from me. I warned her. I, it's not Bella's responsibility to keep herself away from him. Like he's almost like putting it onto her for her to be the one responsible for keeping herself safe. Like, he's already expressed that he knows that he's the threat. He like, he's the one bringing the danger. 
why should it be Bella's responsibility to keep herself away? I if if he knows that he's a threat, he should be the one owning up to that and like keeping himself away. I I mean, I I don't think that I'm ever going to stray from this position that I'm in. I just it just seems very selfish of him to kind of put that responsibility onto Bella's shoulders when at this point she doesn't really know what's going on and like how how much of a danger he actually is to her, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I had said something when we were covering Twilight about him being like a yo-yo. Like he's constantly like, stay away from me. I can't stay away from you. Don't hang out with me. I'm in love with you. Like, it's like, it must be so jarring, like getting whiplash from that all the time. And it's like, if you, he just never like follows through on that. He never, it's clear that he wants to do the right thing by Bella and just leave, but he can't. So it's like, okay, then keep that shit to yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it it reminded me of this past relationship that I had with a, a person where like we were involved and then he told me that he didn't want to, he didn't want to have a romantic relationship with me. He just wanted to be friends. And I was so smitten. I was like, okay, that's fine. Like, I don't want to lose, you know, the relationship that I've made with you. But then he would go out of his way to then be flirty and be like sexually forward with me. And then I would respond accordingly because he was coming forward and doing that. But then he would be like, well, but I I don't want anything serious. Like make sure we're, make sure we're like keeping things, you know, like we're we're staying friends, you know? And I, I straight up told him, I was like, I'm responding to what you're saying to me. I'm, I'm fine doing whatever, but you have to tell me one way or the other, how you want me to act because I like, I'm going to act the way that you want to act with me. So you can't be both things and expect me to understand what you want. And that was the last thing I ever said to him. He never responded to me after that. So that's what that reminded me of. Like this whole time, you know, Edward's ignoring Bella and Bella's ignoring him. And now he's giving her attention and she's like, okay, great. Like, let's go to Seattle together. And then he's like, but you know, you shouldn't really, you you shouldn't, you shouldn't like me. You should really stay away from me. It's like, how is she supposed to respond to this? How is she supposed to keep up with, like you said, the yo-yoing? Like, it just seems like she's going to follow what he is kind of setting the tone for. How is she supposed to keep track with this when he keeps going back and forth like that? Yes, 100% agree. It's extremely manipulative. Mm -hmm. And then the only, I had two other notes and they're both very minor. The first one is page 112. Let me find, it's kind of towards the bottom. It says, but I was angry all the same, emotion unmanaged. And I just wrote, emotion unmanaged should be Edward's catchphrase. (laughs) It's back tap. I, it, it's just so dramatic. I'm like, yep, that fits Edward perfectly. And then on page 110, when he's like, finally, finally accepting, like, yep, I love Bella. Like, she's talking about me in her sleep. Like, it's, it's on, like Donkey Kong. And he like, starts to breathe in her smell, like, like, over and over and over again, like, pulling it in. It made me think of... (laughs) Not to bring it back to SpongeBob, but when he's when he's sitting with the glass of water across from him in Sandy's tree dome, and he's like, 
I don't need it. I don't need it. I definitely don't need it. And he's like sweating, just staring. That's what I was thinking the whole time. <laughs> yes, that ends well too. That's, it's a bad metaphor for what we don't want to have happen to Bella because SpongeBob ends up drinking the whole fucking glass. <laughs> mm-hmm. He needs it. He needed it. <laughs> okay, well, for next week, we're going to be back down to one chapter. So we're doing chapter six, which is called Blood Type. I'm assuming oh. you know what's going down, but do you have any predictions? Oh, I know what's going down. This is something I actually remembered. Um, clearly, I mean, he mentions at the very end of this chapter that he's not going to be seeing her in class for very obvious reasons. But now that he's already established that, you know, things are a go-go with the the whole Bella Edwards situation, he's going to be watching her, getting um, getting his inside scoop from freaking Mike, you know, and seeing her being all faint in the courtyard or whatever and going to save her. I don't, I can't remember if this chapter, I think it ended with them in the car together or something. Um... When the, I don't know, but it's going to be that whole jazz of him seeing her faint at the sight of blood and him being like, wow, she's hot. Let me go pick her up off the ground and walk her around like she's a toddler. Yes, definitely. And I don't think that the chapters necessarily end with the same point either. Mm. So I don't I don't remember, but I know that there's a few times where they don't. But anyway, we'll see what happens. I'm excited. Yeah. And I mean, all of the chapters that have been the same have been like like a gross twisting of what they stood for I guess like like invitation when you're reading it from Bella's perspective it's Edward inviting her to Seattle with him but then invitation reading it from Edward's perspective it's him feeling like he's now been invited into her life because he was listening to her say his name in her sleep and um what was the other one that we read? Uh, oh, open book. Um, mm-hmm. From Bell's perspective, it's, you know, them sharing stories together and her feeling like she's an open book. But then from Edward's perspective, it's the complete opposite that Bella isn't an open book. And he, in fact, is the unwilling open book. So blood type, you know, from Bella's perspective, it's them doing blood typing in class. How is it going to be grossly twisted into Edward's perspective? I guess we shall see. We shall see. That is a very cool observation, too, because, like, I know we had talked about the open book thing, but I hadn't really thought about it for this last chapter, so nice. Yeah, it's like this chapter was, like, like the invitation for literally the rest of the entire series. Like, this chapter is, I want to say, like, what opens up the literally the rest of the story to be told because Edward is finally resolute with what, he is going to do like yep I'm 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 committing to this now like I there's nothing that can stop this train basically yep that's it summed up folks <laughs> you really wrapped that up really nicely for us um yeah it's been it's been fun talking about these chapters so you can follow us on social media you know the drill we're on instagram and tumblr at tuesdays are for twilight we're on twitter at taft pod t-a-f-t pod you can email us at twilight at gmail.com. We haven't mentioned the Quileute Move to Higher Ground initiative in a while, but please always be remembering them and keeping them in your thoughts if you're able to make a donation or just share the initiative with others. Um, that is mthg.org. 
And yeah, you got anything else on the sign-off page? Um, okay, you guys are shining stars. Keep shining bright and let your novas explode. (laughs) Thank you, you motivational guru. (laughs) We see you guys next week for chapter six of Midnight Sun. Bye, guys. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. Mm-hmm.